Welcome to a brief chat. I'm Jason Crane. Today is Monday. It's the 13th of April, 2020. And my guest on the show today, I'm excited to have him. Uh, he was a frequent guest on a radio show that I did about 15 years ago, but until this moment, we haven't actually spoken uh, either in person or on the phone, I don't think, in all that time. Uh, as Dr. Cedric Johnson. He's an associate professor of African-American studies and political science at the University of Illinois at Chicago, and he edited... Uh, a book that it will become immediately obvious why this is relevant called The uh, Neoliberal Deluge, Hurricane Katrina, Late Capitalism, and the Remaking of New Orleans. Cedric, it's great to have you here, man. Hey, man. Good to be on here. Thanks so much for having me. So uh, one story that has emerged as uh, this coronavirus pandemic has spread here in the United States was uh, kind of revolved around whether people who went to Mardi Gras in New Orleans were uh, responsible in some larger than expected way for uh, spreading the disease, you know, when they went back to wherever they were from. And uh, you and uh, Thomas J. Adams posted, uh, or I should say wrote, uh, an article in Jacobin magazine uh, that came out a little bit earlier this month. Uh, that talks about how it's austerity that's actually behind the pandemic in New Orleans, not the culture that's of right. Mardi Gras. Um, just in case folks are uh, unfamiliar with Mardi Gras in New Orleans, will you just give us a, just a quick sketch of what happens during that time and then how that led to people kind of being accused of being disease vectors as a result? Right. So so Mardi Gras, I mean, is a pre-Lenten uh, carnival, right? So it's it's the same sort of carnival they celebrate in Brazil, Trinidad and Tobago, you know, it harkens back to uh, old world um, celebrations before you head into the Lenten season, right? So the idea is that, um, you know, Fat Tuesday, Mardi Gras, is the day of, of overindulgence before all us good Catholics, uh, or at least I was, you know, a Catholic, I guess I'm a lapsed Catholic uh, now, um, before we, we decide to, to uh, give up something for Lent, right? So drinking rich foods, whatever your vice might be, you're supposed to give it up uh, as, you know, as sort of a symbolic sacrifice um, going into the uh, the Lenten season before Easter. And so it's a huge uh, celebration in New Orleans. New Orleans actually is the first American city to have uh, Mardi Gras. It actually started in Mobile, which was also part of the French territory at one point. So Mobile was first, but but New Orleans is, of course, the biggest, the most well-known in North America. And, you know, you've got various um, crews, these groups that organize both uh, masquerade balls, but then also major parades on the, uh, leading up to Mardi Gras. And you have all sorts of other activities throughout the city. And since Hurricane Katrina, there's actually been some new crews that have popped up. And as you can probably imagine, the earliest ones in the 19th century tended to be very white and elite and exclusionary but over the years you've seen other groups that have become more more present and not just the the Mardi Gras crews but then also uh you know Mardi Gras Indian tribes and all sorts of other groups um celebrate uh in different ways leading up to uh to Fat Tuesday so um so that's sort of it in a nutshell as far as what what Mardi Gras is uh over the years one thing I would say is that it's the it, the traditions have changed um, you know, a lot of people associated with, you know, bearing breasts and being sloppy drunk and all these other things. And I think those are those are actually latter day um, developments or latter day practices that have emerged as it's become much more of a tourist uh, 
uh, celebration. And uh, I should also say that beyond New Orleans, so beyond the, the uh, metropolitan area, there are also some other Mardi Gras traditions, like where I grew up, there was a more communal type, you know, out in the countryside, what we call the Mardi Gras run, where you would have a group of masked uh, revelers who would go from house to house um, and pick up, you know, you donate whatever you want to give to them. You can give them a bag of rice or, you know, if you, you know, I guess in rural times, give them a chicken or whatever else you might have. And then at the end of the, the, uh, the run, they meet somewhere and have a large, you know, prepare a large feast and everybody who contributed, everybody from the neighborhood or, you know, that area goes to celebrate at the end of the, uh, end of the day. So there are other practices beyond the ones that happen in New Orleans, but it's kind of a long-winded response to to your question. But it's good to set the scene. And so how did what you just described get then uh, kind of lumped in or unfairly connected to the spread of COVID-19? Right. Well, I mean, it's a huge tourist uh, draw, right? The problem for Thomas and I is that this seemed to be too much of a replay of what happened during Katrina, right? I mean, there was... There was almost immediately in the in the aftermath of the Katrina disaster arguments which said that, you know, listen, New Orleans is just different. These people are so laid back. They have this kind of, uh, you know, laissez le bon temps roule attitude, and they're not planful. They're not prepared for these sorts of things. Why would they build below sea level? So there was a sense that somehow uh, New Orleanians were different from the rest of Americans who are more... Uh, you know, more rational, more um, conscious in terms of the decisions that they make, more about delayed gratification, that there's certain value that they lack, and they were in some ways responsible for um, the disaster that transpired in, in New Orleans during Katrina. So this sounded very similar. It was, the argument was that, well, you know, this is what happens when you have so many people in one place. You know, they're engaging in all sorts of... Um, you know, debauchery, there's a lot of drinking and all sorts of other things that are happening. And and, and again, it shifts the, the blame away from whatever structural causes we could talk about or policy failings back onto the population, right? That this was just, you know, um, the traditions, the culture of the place that contributed to uh, this contagion, right? And I think it's, we, we saw it, we were both uh, we knew it. We, we we remembered it from the last time, and we felt there was a need to say something critical about it uh, at that particular moment. This gives me a, a perfect chance. Uh, you, I've probably quoted you in the last fifteen years more than any other human being, and that, <laughs> that is because. And I mean, you know what's coming, but that is because when you were on the radio show that I hosted uh, back in Rochester, New York, where we both lived for a time, you once said that. Uh, we have to be careful not to let individual actions uh, provide a way to let the state off the hook. And, you know, right. we were talking about that, in, I think, at that moment in terms of maybe environmental action where, you know, am I going to recycle or use CFC light bulbs or whatever? And while all that's fine, that's not going to solve the problem because the problem is created several levels above that by, you know, Absolutely. corporate power, by, uh, you know, state power and malfeasance and corporate malfeasance. And this seems very much like the same thing where it's uh, it's easier to say. And in fact, we're, we'll get into this more deeply tomorrow, but where it's easier to say, well, look, it's 
it's all of your fault, you people, rather than say, mm-hmm. oh, it's our fault because we have let the infrastructure and the healthcare infrastructure of our city fall into complete disrepair, for example. Absolutely. And, and even, even the argument that um, there was something unique about New Orleans uh, just doesn't hold up when you think about the, what was going on in the rest of the country around the same time, right? So Miami hosted uh, Super Bowl which I'm sure those numbers of not only people in the stands, so maybe there was 60,000 plus in the stadium for the game, many other people who traveled to the city, you know, to participate in other festivities. We don't talk about Miami in the same ways, right? We're not blaming the Super Bowl uh, as the vector for uh, whatever spread of, of COVID-19 that happened in that state. The same here in Chicago, right? I mean, around the same weekend as Mardi Gras, we had um, the All-Star game for the NBA. And, you know, the game is one thing, but there was, this was like a week-long of events, right? There was all sorts of press junkets in different parts of the city. There were special events that were hosted by former NBA players, celebrity basketball games. And, you know, that weekend I didn't go to the game, but I know that most of the restaurants I went to were full. Um, a few other events, you know, I went to, may not have had, um, you know, NBA fans there, but they were all over the place, right? They were in the bars. They were in um, restaurants in the West Loop and other places. So I just think it's, it's um, you know, there are many cities that have major tourism throughout the year. And I think, you know, Southern Florida, New York City, Los Angeles, you know, are, are on par, if not more, you know, more um, central places of tourism than, than New Orleans. So, it doesn't even make sense, right? The argument that that uh, we should blame Mardi Gras—it just doesn't really hold together when we think about what else was happening at the same time. We're going to talk about this more tomorrow. My guest is Dr. Cedric Johnson uh, from University of Illinois at Chicago, and as you heard originally uh, from outside New Orleans, uh, Cedric, can you uh, come back tomorrow? We'll dig into this more. Absolutely. I'm Jason Crane. You are listening to A Brief Chat. You can find this show at abriefchat.com, where you can also become a member. If you look in the show notes, there'll be a link to the uh, Jacobin Magazine article that we referenced during this show, and I encourage you to, to check that out. That's it for today's show. Talk to you more tomorrow. I love you. A better world is possible. 